Welcome into another off-season edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by EP Ringside, Shap Shots, D Magazine. You see him all over the place. The name of his book, We Win Here, which tells the story of the Texas Stars and some cool Dallas Stars stories that's on sale right now. The book's called We Win Here. It's Sean Shapiro enjoying this off-season for just a few more weeks. It's so cool to see some Training underway on social media. The guys getting ready for another big year. Yeah, it's uh, it's we've reached uh, the end of August. If you're listening to this, I mean, you're likely. I, I don't know what our listeners' habits are exactly. I mean, I, obviously, many of you listen as soon as we drop it. I know, but for most of you who are listening, maybe for many of you, maybe listening on your ride home or uh, on the holiday weekend, we we've made it to September, uh, or we will make it to September in about eight hours or so, and. Uh, it's uh there'll be actual there'll be regular season game they'll be they won't be regular season games they'll be preseason games uh but there'll be actual hockey on the ice in front of us and uh our long our long wait is over and uh it's exciting i'm i'm looking forward to getting back into the rink on more than just the occasional drop in basis right now yeah i am as well and we're doing this thing that we were just talking about Sean called fan phenom and there's one tonight if you if you listen to this podcast when it drops, uh, it's at Fat Daddy's in uh, Mansfield where um, we try out potential people. And when we were at Twin Peaks last week, uh, a cool Spits and Suts listener came up and said, love the podcast. And they said, hey, when are you going to talk about some of the prospects coming up? I'm like, oh, we've done that. And he's like, oh, man, I'm four episodes behind, but I'm going to catch up. <laughs> and then and then I had another person say, it's like, just listen to the last three episodes. Thank you so much. And I guess you can do that in the offseason um, because we do have a lot of topics that are evergreen. But it is just so cool that people are willing to go back and listen to some, some of the former podcasts as we get ready to kick off this season. And the stars were in the news. Um, really, really yeah. kind of cool, whether it works out or not. Uh, the Dallas Stars have signed. Jordy Ben to a professional tryout contract. Now, Sean, tell us what a professional tryout contract is. And we're seeing this throughout the NHL right now. Cassian mm-hmm. just assigned a PTO uh, with the Coyotes. So we're, we're seeing more and more players. Uh, this is the time of year where they get signed to PTO. So explain the process and then let's get into the likelihood of where Jordy Ben is going to end up. Yeah, it's uh PTOs or professional tryout contracts is uh, professional tryout is what PTO stands for is uh, they're basically at the NHL level. Um, they are training camp spots and they are opportunities twofold for the team. It's a chance to bring some more bodies in, um, bring some more bodies in, have guys uh, compete, maybe win a job, uh, for the player, it's a chance to to come in, showcase themselves to that team. But uh, one of the things about since it's a tryout contract, there's no there's nothing there's no other strings attached to it. So uh, Jordy Ben, for example, is on a tryout contract with the Dallas Stars. There's absolutely nothing stopping Jordy Ben from tomorrow signing an NHL. If the Florida Panthers, or I just picked a name out of a hat, if the Florida Panthers called tomorrow and wanted to offer him an NHL deal. There's nothing stopping him from signing that. So it's kind of a it can be kind of a win win for both sides. And the uh, uh, the uh, it's it's a space that 
very most often they really and to be clear with everyone most often they don't really lead to much of anything um they they really extend to the typical pto is a guy who's in camp who will be there for a little bit and if anything maybe maybe they sign an ahl deal um rarely do ptos actually win nhl jobs um one of the one one of the rare examples and one of the guys who has uh who has shown kind of who has one one of the rare examples of the the guy who's who you could call Mr. PTO is former Dallas star Alex Shazon, who has done oh yeah kind of the improv done the improbable multiple times. He uh he was uh able to uh after couple after after his time and after the trade from Dallas, he was in Ottawa, then he was Calgary. And then Alex Shazon went from he went into camp before the 2017 season with Washington on a PTO and uh, won a job by uh, won a job in camp and ended up winning the Stanley Cup that year. Um, still didn't have a job after that. And the next year and had a couple successful years in Oilers with the Oilers that started on once again on another tryout contract after a couple time with 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 Edmonton still looking for a job signed a deal signed a tryout contract with Vancouver turned that into a job last year with Detroit he uh actually was in training camp with the Coyotes on a PTO in the preseason couldn't find a job with the Coyotes um midway through the season signed a professional tryout with the AHL club for Detroit inside with the Red Wings um that's and now Alex Shazon's actually on a PTO with the Boston Bruins now heading into camp this year. I can't, I don't know for sure because I'm not sure. I'm, I haven't gone and parsed through it and everything like that, but I would imagine Alex Shazon turning four PTOs into full real NHL contracts has to be the high bar for what, uh, what a player can do. Um, the more typical story is you go back to the 2017, 18 season in Dallas and, People may remember the stars had RJ Umberger in camp with the stars during the 20 before the 2017, 18 PTO and Umberger was here and Ken Hitchcock talked very nicely about, about his, about his play and all of that stuff. But ultimately the stars didn't sign him and he decided that he didn't want to go the minor league route and he retired from the game. Um, other PTO recent examples are a couple of years back. Um, the stars had Stefan Nason in camp on a PTO and, Nason and the stars weren't a fit, but Nason ended up uh, deciding to sign a minor league deal with Pittsburgh and um, ended up uh, and then had a couple has pieced together a couple nice years with Carolina and things like that. So um, the Jordy Ben scenario, I think to kind of get us back center on this Jordy Ben signing with the stars to me feel it's a win-win for both sides. It's a, the stars get to bring in a veteran defenseman who will add competition to camp and will push guys and everything like that. And Jordy Ben, who has remained and lived in Dallas since his time with the stars, um, gets a chance to try to extend his NHL career while still living at home. And that's kind of what this is. Um, I personally don't expect Jordy Ben to be a Dallas star this year. I just, I don't see it playing out that way. Um, I think people, 
I think the stars are, if Jordy Ben is wearing a stars Jersey this year, I think it's more likely it would be more likely something AHL related where AHL related, where the text where Dallas assistant GM and Texas uh, GM Scott White would look at and maybe offer him an AHL deal to see if he'd be interested in going down there and playing. Um, I think the stars defense is kind of too. uh, And we've talked a lot about how you can't block Nils Lundqvist. You can't, you got to let Thomas Harley run wild this year. So I don't think Jordy Ben fits with Dallas this year, but Jordy will be playing to try to impress another NHL team. And then he'll probably have the choice of, does he want to keep going? Does he want to try to sign with the Texas stars or is it time to hang him up and enjoy living? I mean, give Jordy Ben a ton of credit. He's a guy who was undrafted, um, started his career during that 2009, 10 season with the Allen Americans. Um, no one really expected anything from him. Actually, sorry. He's, he played with the Allen Americans 2009, 10, but played, I think the year before he was in Victoria in the ECHL. Um, give Jordy credit for everything he's done in his career because it's a career that, and it has nothing to do with his brother. I, that's one of the things I always laugh at. People will talk about him being Jamie's brother and everything like that, but everything Jordy's done is Jordy Ben has done his career. He's earned and it's a great story. And um, it'll be good to have him in camp. It'll be good to see what happens. But at the end of the day, um, I think it's, this decision is going to come down to does Jordy Ben want to keep playing pro hockey or is it NHL or only? And that's going to be his decision at the end of camp, I think. For those wondering, if you're wondering, you know, why he can't or why he will struggle to be on this team, Haskinen, Lindell, Hockenpah, Suter, Lundquist, Harley, and Hanley is your extra defenseman. And you also signed Gavin Bayreuther in the offseason um, to a two-way. So he could go to Texas or uh, be up as an extra defenseman. So you, you're you kind of already there as far as if someone gets injured, you have Bayreuther and Hanley in. But, you know, nice to have an NHL vet um, around and, and a fan favorite too. So that's always good yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's, he's like, he was okay. Like he played, I think it was a dozen games or so with, uh, with Toronto last year and he was okay in that time. And um, it's just, it's at it's at this point of when you're the stars, I don't see what the economics of the situation. I don't see what Jordy Ben brings anymore that Joel Hanley and Gavin Bayreuther don't. And Joel Hanley and Gavin Bayreuther are a a little bit younger, someone you planned around, and b bringing in Jordy Ben adds another roadblock to a potential like we talked about kind of the GM having to be the adult in the room. Sometimes I don't think you want another veteran defense. Jim Nil needs Nils Lundqvist to play. So I don't think you want another veteran defenseman around right now. That makes it gives you another option not to play Nils Lundqvist, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, it absolutely does. And the NHL has announced their national broadcast schedule and going to the Western conference finals and having an elite goal scorer, an elite defenseman, and an elite goalie will give you 12 games. And uh, that's impressive because you look at the Boston Bruins, who were the class of the class in the regular season, and they got 13. So they're up there with Vegas, Boston, as far as number of national games. And uh, I think that's a, a, a massive tip of the cap that the NHL and ESPN and... TNT are saying we want the Dallas stars on our channel. It is it's, and it's, it's always funny, right? Whenever these, 
these schedules come out and everything. And it's not just the Dallas fan base. It's I see it for fans across across the sport, right? It's always funny. It comes out and it's like the damned if you do, damned if yep. you don't reaction where it's like, there's like, oh no, they're taking away my broadcasters or, <laughs> oh no, they, they like, it's, it's, it, it, we're, we're not respected enough. And I actually think the stars actually may have the perfect balance where you're still going to get uh, 70 games of your local broadcast. You're still going to get, uh, you're, you're still going to get that. And then you're still going to get some national love too. And, um, I think it's uh I think it's a good fit and uh it is it is a testament to the stars have are an exciting team they play a more exciting style now and I think from the American broadcast perspective when you've when you got a core that's built around Jason Robertson an American kid from California Jake Ottinger an American kid from Minnesota and um it definitely helps your pull with uh the ESPNs and the Turners of the world. And uh, that that's good, right? Like you want to be, that keeps you as part of the conversation that puts you in more of the national conversation. And it is, it also by kind of, uh, it, it does connect. It's, you want Miro Hishkin to win that Norris trophy? Yep. You gotta, you, he's gotta be seen He's got to be seen more often by the general hockey writer and um, the general hockey writer, just to kind of give you an idea of how a, ho- a general hockey writer's viewing typically goes. And I'm talking about the general writer. I'm not talking about I'm, I'm the guy because the, the people who vote for awards for the, the Norris and the heart and stuff like that, they're they're writers and some of them are national writers, but most of them are are beat writers covering their particular team. And to give you an idea of how their typical life schedule works, you really only pay attention to the team that you cover all the time, day to day. That's just the reality of it. That's how you, to be an expert on the Pittsburgh Penguins, you have to pay only attention to the Penguins most of the time. And, but the NHL is set up well where Wednesday nights, there's that showcase. And that's when you kind of sit back and be more of a fan and stuff like that. And, same thing with the, the Saturday afternoon game occasional and stuff like that. So the more the Dallas stars are in those showcase marquee games, the more Miro Heiskanen's night to night brilliance will be seen by the voting populace. And I, I it would be a fascinating study, Gavin, to see if anyone's ever won the Norris um, on a team that didn't get many national TV games in the modern era, it would be a fascinating thing to look at because I think it has. I don't think I. I, be, I would be. I would love to kind of look to look into that, but I don't really know how I could. But that's that's a random idea that popped into my head right yeah, now, and this no. is why we do this podcast. So yeah, a- absolutely. So I would say to you, Stars fans, this is a really good thing. And mm-hmm. if announcers come to town, I understand if they get a mispronunciation, it's okay. Yeah. Just, it's okay, folks. Don't worry about it. You're on national TV. You know who else fought to be on national TV? The Golden State Warriors. They don't have to fight anymore. Merch mm-hmm. off the chain. You know, yeah. they won the championships. So if well, the stars can continue to do what they do and the prospects are coming, I mean, we're talking about the building blocks are there and you can clearly see that the NHL, ESPN, TNT, slash... ESPN streaming slash Hulu, 
everyone realizes the Dallas Stars are somewhat becoming a team of interest nationally. It's a beautiful thing. It, it really is. Now, the other complaint people are going to have is people have to realize that this is the central time zone because there are some late games. I understand mm-hmm. what you're saying. But when you break it down, 8.30 p.m. home start, same thing happens to the Mavericks. Vegas Golden Knights at Dallas Stars. People need to realize that's a couple of reasons. One, there's going to be an East Coast game first. And then second, if you ha- you have to cater to the Stanley Cup, defending Stanley Cup champions market as well. So 8.30 is a 6.30 start in Vegas. So that's why they do that. So it, it, it makes sense on that level. Uh, Dallas Stars at Colorado Avalanche, once again, because of the time zone. That's an 8.30 start. And uh, they have another one. This one uh, at Colorado Avalanche, a 9 p.m., and then the Wednesday, April 17th, which will be one of the final games of the year, St. Louis Blues at Dallas Stars, 8.30. That's a little tough to swallow. Um, but hopefully that comes down, well, hopefully the Stars are in command of a playoff position on Saturday, on uh, April 17th, right, Sean? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but, you, you know, we, hope, we, we, we hope so, yeah. We can't complain. I mean, that's, that's there are some it's, afternoon games on there. There's some really nice primetime games, so... Just enjoy it. And what you're getting not only is the national attention, what I really appreciate is the talk in between periods from the analysts about the Dallas Stars, which creates a lot of content from podcasts and radio stations and other media outlets across the country talking about the Stars. It's it's good. And this franchise is in a good spot right now moving forward. They are... Um, like if we were to do a, like Gavin, if we were to go and be like, Hey, we each get to pick a couple franchises as ones that we would want to like, I don't know, play Monopoly with or whatever, where it's like, Hey, this is, this is ones I'm betting on, 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 on the next five, 10, 15 year future for this franchise. Like I, I would be hard pressed for us to think that we get past pick five without picking Dallas. And so the stars are there. They have forced themselves into the um, national hockey conversation. I feel like they're going to do that more this year with um, coming off last, this past season. And I think, I mean, we gotta, you can't undersell the potential Jason Robertson impact. I think that's something that's really going to, heat up even more he had 100 more than 100 points last year set a franchise record he's he's an american he represents um he represents kind of what we want to see more and more in this sport of he's not just a white dude he's he's a filipino american he's he's someone who is having success um i have a uh i don't know if i've told the story on this podcast or not but i have a, I have a cousin who is a uh, who, who was born in the Philippines and never really watched much hockey or anything like that. But uh, he goes, he actually goes to North Texas and uh, he was someone who he's never really cared about hockey, but I saw him and my uncle a couple weeks back and he told me they're big Jason Robertson fans because, Hey, there's someone like us who we can root for. And that that's like, I think the Jason Robertson impact, um, 
I, I really think that's going to go a long way for this, uh, for this team's popularity, especially if he continues to put up points like he has, because he's got a personality that he's starting to show more and more of too. Um, it's uh, full steam ahead with, with Robertson, I think. Yeah. There was also some uh, time changes announced too. That really caught my eye. Uh, Saturday, December 23rd at Nashville. Now a 1 p.m. start. That could be an early Gavin Spittle Christmas present. (laughs) I want to go to Nashville. And uh, the other one, if you're thinking ahead for Valentine's, if your lady is a massive Dallas Stars fan, or for you ladies listening because of Sean, not because of me, but because of Sean's sexy voice, Saturday, February 17th, against the Edmonton Oilers at home, a 2 p.m. start. Those, to me, are two delicious games. So I love the day, I love the day game. Day games I do, great. too. I love the day game. For on, on a, from a, now I love them even more so because I have kids. It's, it's such a great, like, hey, it's a family. It becomes a family game. It becomes a game where you can get kids out. I mean, how great is that, right? Like, as from a Dallas perspective, you got a day game. The Oilers come into down on a Saturday. You could take the kids to go see McDavid. That's yeah. so cool. Like yeah. that's that's cool. Uh, on a as a more on a more adult perspective, I always enjoyed like it's great. It's like the it's it's gives you similar to the Sunday the Sunday football vibe where you get to go watch the the one o'clock game and then you get to kind of just have the nightcap at home and watch the Sunday night football game. And that's what those like those Saturday day games are always like for me, hockey wise, where you get to you get to go to that game one o'clock, two o'clock, whatever it is, and go home. You still have the night. You can go out to dinner. You can watch some more hockey more casually. It's I, I love the day game. I would I wish teams played more day games because I think it would I, I truly think it would grow the game. I think it would be um, I think if the league focused on that a bit more, I think it would be great. I personally very pro day game (laughs) no you're absolutely right in fact on december 9th so two great day games the golden knights come to town against the stars that's an amazing sports weekend you have knights at stars and then the next day you have eagles at cowboys what an awesome home weekend for sports fans here in dfw so you have the vegas golden knights coming for an afternoon game and then you have the oilers coming uh for home game so that's uh that's real special so that's good that's a good yeah absolutely that's a nice that's a nice that's a nice little uh i'm sure around that time gavin will be talking this is a kind of a a test week between between those two opponents so yeah we'll be talking why jason robertson's better than uh connor mccabe (laughs) (laughs) i don't think that conversation will come up but (laughs) yeah (laughs) We, we we can only hope okay so another reason why there are so many uh, national games is because really exciting NHL.com came out with their uh, rankings. Did you get a chance to look at them? I have looked at them. Yes. What did you think? Let's start with goaltending as Jake Ottinger shows up in the top 10. Um, let me pull it. I want to make sure I have this right here. This is their, uh, they have two rankings. They have, and I don't want to throw people off. They have the fantasy rankings. Yeah. And then they have what they think are the rankings. Yeah. Cause, and those are, those are two, I think people, we need to be very clear to people, right? The, uh, the fantasy hockey rankings are 
a much different thing, right? It's something where um, I actually uh, have to pay more attention to it this year because I am. I have a good friend of mine who invited me into his uh, keeper fantasy oh. hockey league. So, so I'm I'm playing. I'm I'm actually playing fantasy hockey again for the first time in a while, Gavin. And and Gavin, I'll tell you, um, it's a keeper league. And I'm taking over for the guy that finished last in the league last year. So I'm getting Connor Bedard at number one in the keeper league. So it's, well, I, I'll, I'll update Pete. I think it's, we're still going to be in a rebuild year on, uh, on that team, but I'm going to get Bedard number one in that league. Nice. Anywho, uh, fantasy in. So they had, if I remember, if I've got the list and I look at, if I'm looking at the right list, um, they had Jake Ottinger at number seven yes. on this list. Yes. And the, um, how they ranked these goalies, the kind of etymology of how they got to it is interesting to me because it's not a list of the top 10 goalies just from last season. If that was the case, Linus Olmark would be number one, right? Like Correct. after the year he had last year in the Vesna, he would clearly be number one. Um, this is to me more of a list made by their panelists of goalies they would pick if they're building a team. Like I think that was kind of the, the way you would look at it. And I don't mind Ottinger at seven. Agreed. I don't mind him at seven. I let's, let's give the, uh, let's give the tops. Just yeah. To yeah. Yeah, perspective. yeah. So we had number 10 was Thatcher Demko in Vancouver. Number nine was Philip Gustafson with the Minnesota wild. Eight was Alexander Georgiev with the Colorado avalanche. Seven's Ottinger. Uh, six is Linus Olmark with the Bruins. UC Saros, number five for the Predators. Connor Hellebuck, um, number four at number, and then at number three, Ilya Sorokin with the Islanders. Number two, Igor Shosturkin with the Rangers. And then number one, Andre Vasilevsky, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, to me, where the debate comes, I, 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 I'm a firm believer that the three best goalies in the world right now are those three Russians. I, I, I think that's fair. Between Vasilevsky, Shosturkin, and Sorokin, it is the golden age of Russian goaltending. Um, I think you could make the case after those three. I wouldn't be opposed to having Ottinger at four. I don't mind him at six. I wouldn't mind him at six. I think between him and Soros and Hellebuck, I think that's your next three. Mm -hmm. um, I don't dislike. I mean, Olmark had a great season last year. Take nothing away from Olmark's season, but he played behind a historically good Bruins team. And I think we saw how he got exposed in the playoffs a little bit. Um, but Ottinger to me is at the spot where the question is, is he the best North American goalie in the NHL? And that's a great, he's, he's in that conversation. It's either him or Hellebuck are the, one of the two, are the two best North American goalies in the NHL. And I think this past season, I think Ottinger passed Hellebuck. And I, I think it's, I, I think he should, I would have him in my top five. I would right now, I would have the top three they have, I would have UC Saros four. I'm a big UC Saros guy. I think he's he's incredibly UC Saros is a guy I'd love to see his numbers on an actual good team because what he does in Nashville is incredible. Yeah, he's special. And then yeah, and then I would have uh Ottinger. Ottinger and then Hellebuck. That's kind of the range I would have. And I think I think that's I, I'm open to the debate on that and the discussion on that. I, I just think this past year was the year that Ottinger passed Hellebuck for me. And whenever we do have that next Team USA best on best tournament, I think Ottinger will be the number one. And I think Hellebuck will be the number two as long as it happens within the next three years. And because obviously it's 
who knows with international hockey, right, Gavin? We hear yeah. this change all the time. But I think if we were to pick a Team USA right now, Jake Andrews is my number one over Connor Hellebuck with Hellebuck obviously being a pretty good number two. Yep, I think it was a solid list. I, I agree with you. Uh, I'm also going to say it's a solid list as far as defense. Number one, Kale McCarr, yeah. Avalanche. Number two, Adam Fox with the Rangers. Number three, Miro Heiskanen. So those are your top three. And I think the advancement of Miro this past year was terrific, specifically after the All-Stars break. I think he took his game, which was already heading in that direction, but I think it t- he took it to new levels um, and had a career high uh, year. Uh, that said, um, I think three is good. Uh, I think Adam Fox is a Norris candidate every year, as is as is Kale McCarr. I mean, wanted to get your thoughts, but I, I think a, a solid three for Miro at this, you know, at this point at his age, very good. I no, I, I I'm okay with three. I honestly, for me, I was actually more. I was more surprised he was at three, just based off you look at the other ones in the top five. Um, Makar, Fox, Hedman, Yossi. Uh, I was surprised he was above Hedman and Yossi simply not not for my money, but for the panelists' money. Absolutely, I was I was surprised he is ahead of them because he hasn't won a Norris trophy. And so he's the only one in the top five that hasn't won the Norris. Um, And so I thought he would have gotten a little bit of what seems to be like this Charlie McAvoy treatment where McAvoy's at six. And I think McAvoy probably should be at four on this list. Um, But uh, McAvoy and I thought he, so I think it's, it's, he's right in the spot. He should be. He's in that it's between if, if I was to pick any defenseman in the NHL right now, I'm picking Kale McCarr. That's just the reality of it. You're picking Kale McCarr. I'm, I'm picking Kale McCarr. But after that, my conversation in between Fox and Heishkinen is is a good one. It's a good debate, and it's right where he should be. And it's uh, to me, it's also more telling of like these lists while they don't determine who wins awards are they're a lot like college football rankings gavin where by it's a lot easier to win the norris trophy when you start the year at number three on a list like this yep right like it's it's like it's uh it's like it's it's why everyone complains about college football rankings before the season they're like they haven't played a game yet yeah you're like well it's like uh and you're and you're like all right well but it helps escalate and, and, and put teams higher than they should be and, and, and everything like that. I think this is a fair ranking for Miro and it helps set a fair bar for what the season should be for him. I agree. And then when you go to centers, you know, I mean, we talk about him a lot on this podcast, but we mentioned Miro Robertson and Ottinger coming in at number 13, as far as top NHL centers rope hints, which I thought it was great that he got that recognition. Yeah, it's, I think Hintz had, we obviously appreciated him and appreciated him watching him in Dallas and and everything like that. But I think his performance in the playoffs, uh, his play down the stretch really started to swing people to kind of realize what he does on a night to night basis. So yeah, so. absolutely. And when you say, wow, but he's 13, I mean, listen to these names. Number one, Connor McDavid. Number two, Nathan McKinnon. Number three, Dreisaitl. Number four, Austin Matthews. I mean, these are NHL stars. Five, Sidney Crosby. Jack Hughes of the Devils. Uh, Braden Point of the Lightning. Jack Eichel. 
I mean, the names go on. Barkoff from the Florida Panthers. Uh, Pedersen from the Vancouver Canucks. And Tage Thompson, who had an amazing year for the Sabres. So it's not like, I don't know how much higher hints could climb. But, you know, once again, what's cool and getting national recognition, that Robertson, Pavelski, and Hintz line. Um, which yeah. is cool because when the top NHL lines come out, you always see that at the top of the list. So that's another reason why the stars are being featured on so many national uh, games. So that's pretty awesome. And then we shift finally to the uh, top NHL wings and uh, Jason Robertson, uh, pretty high on that list, uh, which is uh, wonderful. I got to pull it up right now. Uh, was he number six, Sean? They did. They did it as uh a... Let's see. He came in at actually number five. And they talk about him, led the stars in goals, assists, points, uh, NHL first all-star team, most by a Dallas, Minnesota North Stars player since Madano. Uh, just goes on and on. Talk about his age at only 24, 18 points in 19 playoff games to reach the Western Conference Finals. So nice little uh, attribution to uh, Jason Robertson as well. So was this, was this wings or what was this particular, was this both wings or was this because was which, which wing was this for? Was this for. They this have for it listed as top right 20 wings, right and left. So they have top 20 centers, top 20 wings, top 20 defensemen. And then they have top 10 goaltenders. Okay. That makes sense. I was curious. So you want you want me it's to do the list? Yeah, what was what, what was what was that top 5 again? Okay. As I scroll way ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number 1 Pasternak from Boston, okay. number 2 Matthew Kachuk. And the unreal year he had, Kucherov from Tampa Bay, uh, Miko Rotinen from the Avalanche, then Robertson, and then after Robertson, uh, Mitch Marner from the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Kirill the Thrill, Minnesota Wilds, Ovechkin at number eight, Panarin number nine from the Rangers, and rounding out the top ten, Brad Marchand of the Bruins. Yeah, it's pretty. No, I think I think that's fair yeah. for where he is on that. That's uh, I would. Uh, but good point. I, I'd like to see yeah, left yeah. wing and right wing. I, I know that yeah. nowadays in the NHL, a lot of positions are interchangeable, so to speak. As far mm-hmm. as you see some wings moving to center, and you know, likewise. But at the same time, yeah, it would be nice to see. You know, because I mean, I'd like the power forwards to get some credit too. Well, yeah, and it would be. I mean, it would be interesting to kind of like since we still have an NHL end of season all-star team, not the all-star team, the end of season all-star team, um, which is what really, really kind of matters um, for this. It would be interesting to see how, uh, how that all works out, how that shakes out. Because like, for example, uh, Kachuk, right? He's probably Chuck right now is, would be your first it's, Kachuk would be your first team left wing right now going into the season. So to kind of break it down where if you were to try to handicap that race of left and left and right wings and all that stuff, it would be interesting to kind of break that down a little bit further. So 
Yeah, no, you're 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 absolutely right. Uh, I was looking real quick because you mentioned Connor Bedard, and mm-hmm. just wanted to throw this, you know, on the list. Uh, let's see, because the Central Division is going to be really interesting because there are some quality prospects in there. We already knew it was going to be tight, but you know, I think from a Central Division standpoint. I guess the St. Louis Blues would be the the last as far as uh, you know a team where you're going and you're like wow these players are great or I get to see but I mean you know being able to see Connor Bedard you know a few times a year that's that's pretty special despite that the Chicago Blackhawks are mm-hmm. building you have a very young team in Arizona um, with some good youth that are coming in as well so I, I think you know while it's a tight division and we look at the other divisions and say if the Dallas Stars played in this division they'd be doing better or. You know, something like that. At the same time, I I really do think that, you know, from a fan perspective, the fact that you get to see Colorado several times a year, you get to see the wild and the kind of rivalry. Um, and then you get Chicago, who's going to be coming up with Connor Bedard, you know, some some real good matchups to sink into. Chicago's going to be a problem in about three years. Yeah, that's when it's going to be like they are behind Bedard. We talk about prospect stuff right now. They have a they have another um, Frank uh, Frank Nazer who is uh, would probably be Frank Nazer would probably be the top ranked prospect for seventeen or eighteen of the teams in the league, um, and he obviously being with Bedard being there, he's 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 he, he's not for Chicago. Um, Chicago's got a lot of that prospect pool in Chicago is actually deep. A lot of times we talk about a deep prospect pool and it's people just lying to themselves. The Chicago prospect pool is actually deep and they've got a window here. That's kind of starting here and it's going to start slowly opening, I think kind of next season and in the year after. And then they're going to be a problem because they're going to be a, right now it's fun to watch Connor Bedard and company to come to town because they're, it's going to be a one man watch this future best player in the world before he is the best player in the world type scenario. Three years from now, three, four years from now, it's going to be, Oh geez, we got Connor Bedard coming to town and it'll be like Connor when Connor McDavid comes to town now where you start to get worried yeah. about what he's going to do to you. Yeah. What about Logan Cooley in Arizona? There's, there's some chatter about how well he's performing. I feel bad for that kid. Honestly, like, <laughs> I, I, understand, I understand athletes embrace the pressure and expectation and, and everything like that. But, um, the Coyotes themselves have gone and said the number one prospect in the world. I don't know if you saw that when they, they I came did. Up. They, That's they, what, yeah. Coy- the, the Coyotes called it that. And I, I think he, he may have a chance to, he may be, if, if, if you're betting on the Calder trophy this year, he may actually be a good sneaky, not even a sneaky, he'd just be a good bet to win the Calder trophy this year based off being a, he's a year older than Bedard, so he's a little bit more of that physical maturity. He's a little bit more. He's coming from college hockey. He's he's beefed up a little bit more, and uh, someone's got to put up points in Arizona. So he's gonna he's gonna play every single opportunity. And and Cooley's gonna be a great player. I think he's a tremendous player. I also uh, I feel bad because it's like it's kind of like the tilting at windmills thing where I know. At some point, Arizona has to luck into a change and, and and things like that. But I just I keep struggling to see the path forward to contention for the Coyotes when every time you do have a piece 
that looks like you're going to build around or something like that. Like when I mean, we talked about the chicken thing the other day, like trading chicken away and getting pennies on the dollar yeah. chicken that, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence in what they're building. Like it's, it's, it's to me, the whole the Arizona feels like Arizona feels like you, you go into the video game and you're like, Oh, I want to rebuild a team from scratch and you spend a couple hours doing it. And then you forget about it. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to build the team from scratch again. You just keep going over and over again. And that's what the Coyotes feel like to me. So I feel bad for Cooley because I just, I don't have a lot of confidence in that team taking the next step. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they they find a way and they flip things sooner. I just, I I don't see, there's a lot of bad teams where I will see the path forward or I will see what they're doing. Like I saw Buffalo, you've been able to kind of track mm-hmm. what they've been doing. Yeah. Um, Ottawa, you can kind of track what they're doing. Anaheim has a good system coming. Yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm has something coming now. I think now that they've got Carlson, they'll start to build around that Columbus. You, you can see the path forward. Arizona is a team where it's like, okay, <laughs> I guess they're going to be a hockey team. Like that's what Arizona yeah. is right now. And I just feel bad for Cooley because he's being tasked with, Connor Bedard isn't being tasked with saving hockey in Chicago. He's not being tasked with getting them new arena. Logan Cooley is getting those additional things of like, Hey, number one prospect in hockey who plays in a 5,000 person arena. Yeah. Like, that it doesn't, it, 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 the optics of it, you're just kind of, I, I feel bad for Logan Cooley at times. <laughs> well, Sheldon Keefe signs a two year contract to remain as the Maple Leafs coach. Were you surprised by this, Sean? Um, I was surprised. I'll be honest. I was surprised it was two years because it was the two it was the two year extension. Yep. Um, I don't. Not that I disagree with it. I think Keith is a fine coach. I think there's there's much worse you could do as a head coach in the NHL. Um, I would have thought with uh, it's kind of interesting. They had uh, obviously Kyle Dubas stepped down and left Toronto, and 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 Brad Treliving comes in and everything like that. And uh, I would have imagined uh, so. Brad Treliving was taking over a coach that he didn't hire and and not his guy and everything like that. And so um, if there was going to be an extension, I don't think they wanted him to coach on a lame as a lame duck coach right. this year, but I would have thought maybe a one year deal or something like that would have been put in place to give both sides kind of a little bit of that. Hey, we're working with each other, but we also want to see what each other brings. So the two year pact was a little bit, the fact he got the two-year extension was more surprising to me than he got an extension at all. Correct. Because it begins think, next season. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. And you know, a player that won't show up in the halls of the, the hall of fame, but um, a player that I really like two time Stanley cup uh, winner, Carl Hagelin announces his uh, retirement after 11 NHL seasons. Good run. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's together pretty good career like yeah. it was uh he went he how many cups did he win he two. was uh won the stanley two, cup right? with uh the pens 2016 2017 yeah yeah, yeah. he had a, had a he was a it was a pretty good he was a pretty good piece for all the teams he played for i mean he was uh yeah hasn't yeah, played was, has, hasn't played since 2022 march 1st when he got that do you remember this he got that uh he was struck with a stick blade during a practice. I do. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so he hasn't played in a while, but he also underwent surgery twice for his left hip. 
Uh, he's been on long-term injured reserve. <laughs> the man deserves a vacation. Yeah. But just a warrior. One, I think he also had was silver medal at the Olympics. I think um, I'm assuming he was on one of those. I mean, he was, he was a pretty good, I don't have that Swedish roster locked in in my brain, but I'm pretty sure he was part of those Swedish teams in the mid 2010s. Uh, he was a pretty good career. Let me yeah. I'm looking at his hockey, hockey DP. DP While you do that, to... because I know you have a relationship with Alex chase on, mm-hmm. has he gone into detail with you? And you mentioned that he's trying out for the Bruins, former Dallas star. Yeah. How much that night with Rich Peverly against the Columbus Blue Jackets affected him in his, did it affect him in his career? Has he, have you ever talked to him about that? Um, I haven't because I mean, not recently. I mean, he's someone who, um, he had a, he was, he had a pretty, he had a pretty bad for people who don't remember, obviously everyone remembers the rich Peverly, um, the rich Peverly incident and everything like that. And it's a great thing. He's good. He's, 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 he's healthy now and he's everything like that. Um, but Alex Shazon had a, was right there when it happened yep. and he had suffered an anxiety attack right after the, I don't know when it started, obviously it's, uh, kind of one of those um but uh it's uh i i can't really imagine what's what well, i mean it's so i have not spoken to to alex Shazon directly about that night uh recently or anything like that um we've had a conversation here and there over the years about it um but uh alex Shazon, i will say this about him he has a bit of that uh doesn't take anything for granted um has been willing to kind of work for everything in his career and everything like that and uh that's something when uh rich the rich peverly story is it's it's horrifying right yeah to see that happen yeah i mean i was uh, i was five rows away i mean it it was it's the it's it's the fragility of life but it's also the fragility of a career like i mean i think there's people it's it's the you know, this is a great a great way to uh to, to tease the book which gavin is normally my my, my cheerleader for this but I the fact up. that uh, uh stephen meserve wrote a great chapter about in, in our book about ben bishop's final game where Ben bishop goes down to texas plays one conditioning game and then a couple days later we learned that was the final game of his career like you don't know you don't know when you're getting pulled from the game, right? Like you, you don't know when it's happening. And I think a little bit of that career mortality um, can be, uh, for, I don't, I don't like the exact phrasing, but it can be a bit of a healthy thing for, Absolutely. for what you, what you work for and, yeah. and everything like that. So, Heck of a career for um, chase on really, yeah. really I, has. I mean, he's actually, I think he's kind of changed his style to fit the various teams that he's been on. Yeah, and he's he's been a really good net front guy. Like he's yep. got there's there's little things that um he has found ways to fit and found ways to do things that aren't always easy. And um most guys on PTOs I don't expect to make the team, but Alex Shazon is the one guy in a PTO you're like, Yeah, I can see it happening just yeah. because he's done it. 
just because he's done it. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Plano's own uh, Stefan Noison. Is that am I correct in that? Am I? Nason. Nason. He's done a good job, Nason. you know, with Carolina. Uh, came mm-hmm. in, made the team, and he's become a net front princess with them uh, last year as well. Yeah. So I, I think that's yeah. a good one. Hey, I wanted to end on a positive note. Um, Let's do it. So I, I tweeted this out. NHL.com retweeted it. So we all know Eric Carlson got traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So his daughter developed a relationship with the Sharks mascot. And you can find it on my Twitter. Uh, the Sharks tweeted out, it's not a goodbye, it's a see you later, dash Sharky. And Sharky shows up to the house in a tuxedo with a big rose mm-hmm. and spends the day with Eric's child. And basically, you know, the son and the daughter, but more of the daughter. And the hugs and the embraces and going to the playground and going down slides. And it just put it in perspective that I think as fans of the game, as people who sometimes cover the game, like Sean, I think we look at the players and sometimes we get caught up in fantasy leagues or get up, get caught up in wins and losses. And we don't give enough credit to the wives, the families who have so many responsibilities. So the players can do what they do. And I think it would have been, no one would have mentioned anything if the Carlson's move on to Pittsburgh and San Jose goes on and does their thing. But to take that extra effort and to recognize the relationship with his daughter and to go to that house and spend the day for a player who's been traded, I just thought that was really special, Sean. I really did. I thought that, you know, it shows, you know, that these organizations can truly embrace the players and their families. And to me, if if I'm a player and I know San Jose's in the middle of a rebuild and and Mike Greer's trying his best to get San Jose back on the map. But I think sometimes probably families look at things like this and say, this is a good market for us to be in. Well, it's, I mean, the stars, when the stars signed uh, Joe Pavelski, um, there was, Pavelski was looking at both uh, Dallas and Tampa Bay. And it's, uh, I actually wrote something about Joe Pavelski earlier this week at D Magazine and his golf game. Joe Pavelski is a really good golfer, by the yes. way. Yes, um, and uh, it's there. It wasn't a coincidence that he was looking at Dallas and Tampa, where both had full year full year round golf seasons like they have in San Jose. Um, but the uh, one of the things that it was it was put together by uh, by former Stars PR guy Tom Holy who is now actually an assistant gym for the San Jose Sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tom put together a video, helped helped get a video for Joe's son, Nate Pavelski, of potentially welcoming them to Dallas uh, from the Dude Perfect guys because they knew that Nate, is, Nate Pavelski, Joe's son, is a big Dude Perfect fan and everything like that. And obviously money and fits are... And hockey were one of the main reasons, but it certainly didn't help the Pavelski family decision that uh, these guys that are heroes from Dallas were welcoming uh, their kid as well. So stuff like that doesn't uh, it, it it doesn't go unnoticed if we if, if we uh, if we're if we're being truthful. Yeah, about this. no, you're absolutely right. And I did tag Victor E. Green on this mm-hmm. tweet that I sent out, and I said, "P.S." 
Victory Green, my house is always welcome to you, my friends. I'm hoping this weekend, maybe. I mean, it's the off season, so he really doesn't have anything else to do. Maybe we'd hang. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just a- well. Does he talk? It's uh, did you? I I don't know. I'm I, hopefully I'm not gonna. If if I'm not on the podcast in the future, it's because the mascots got me. The mascots all have a secret <laughs> Facebook page. Do they really? Uh, they do. They do. They all have a, the mascots all have a secret Facebook page that only mascots are allowed to have access to, and they chat through that and everything. And, wow. Uh, if uh, if uh, if I'm if this is my last appearance on the uh, on Spitz and Sud, it's because I I, uh, I divulged the wrong state secret on that. It's, uh, I'm, I'm glad it'll be the way I went out. So. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I am pro mascot. I mm-hmm. yeah. I laugh at them still to this day. I think it's a a wonderful feature that teams provide. I don't understand why some fans finding it annoying because I think for the kids. It's an amazing way to connect directly. They look at these mascots as uh, celebrities. I love the bits they do now. Um, social media has taken the mascot, you know, to the next level. And I think a young Gavin Spittle would certainly be into sports um, like he is today. But I think the San Diego chicken helped him too. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, the baseball bunch, the San Diego chicken and those antics and everything, that attracted me to the game. So I, I think I, you know I'm pro mascot. You pro mascot, Sean? I am. I am. I Good. think it's uh, uh, Detroit. I believe is the only team that doesn't have like a actual like mascot at at games. Um, they do have like the they do have the, the the octopus like imagery, but they don't actually have a octopus mascot. And I think it's I say this as someone who has kids. Like it. Uh, we took our this this earlier this summer. We took our kid. I took uh, the kids to uh, to a Tigers baseball game, and there was uh, it just the, the kids being able to take pictures and high five the Tiger mascot. I think his name is Paws. I think yeah, like, that that's that's a big deal. And they had a good time at the baseball game, and they'll want to go back. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we sometimes forget about when we get on our high horse about something was. This is a game. Games are supposed to be fun. Let's try to and having a mascot there, it doesn't hurt your it doesn't hurt you as an adult. It doesn't. Just just at the end of the day, it doesn't. Even if you want to laugh and say that's childish, just don't look at it. Just like you don't watch the Cartoon Network right, or whatever. Right. That's it. Yeah, yeah. No, a- <laughs> so. absolutely. So when I got married in Houston, um, I was a big fan of Clutch and I hired him to show up at my out of town uh happy hour get together. And what I didn't realize when I hired him, Sean, was is it was a pretty fancy restaurant. So mm-hmm. here comes Clutch all lit up, and there was a couple, and I could tell the guy was not happy because Clutch banged that table pretty hard, <laughs> and the guy had to grab onto the wine glass, and Clutch yeah. comes over, and I was like, man, this is so great. Like, I think that worked <laughs> out better than my wedding, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, still, I just, I I think it's so great to embrace the mascot. So I just thought that was super cool. And you could tell that Carlson was so thankful and that's what it's all about. He, he appreciated, you know, that goodbye. Um, and I'm sure every single time they go to San Jose, the daughter will want to go because she wants to see her friend Sharky. So that's uh, pretty awesome. Any mascot stories in the book? We win here. Uh, no, uh, no specific mascot stories, but there is a pretty good piece in there from Steven again about kind of the importance in minor league hockey of 
the theme night experience, the going above and beyond just the hockey part of it. Because while you're going to get the diehards, you're going to get the the people who are hockey fanatics in Cedar Park. Which, by the way, um, if you're listening in Dallas, I highly suggest driving down to uh, Cedar Park for training camp. It's a yes. great, it's a great spot. The arena, it's a great spot to see the players, the team up close. It's you, sh- you should definitely do it. Um, uh, just a quick side note of that, and we'll we can talk more about. Uh, we can give people some more suggestions on where to eat and stuff like that closer to uh, actual training camp. But it's it's in, in the book we went here. Stephen has a nice piece about how important it is to connect to other parts of the community beyond just the people who understand the game already because it's important to continue to create those touch points for everyone. Yeah. I would also suggest stars fans. If you get a chance, go see the team in Cedar park this year, some terrific prospects. And as Sean mentioned, you're right on the ice. It's a terrific arena. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Really, really exciting. So we win here as the book. That was a good plug, Sean. That was a really good plug today. (laughs) So that's going to do it for Spits and Suds. We only have a few more of these left because guess what, guys? We're about to kick off the regular season. So we'll continue uh, to bring you Spits and Suds on a weekly basis uh, as we see the news, as we get closer to NHL training camps. And uh, as we mentioned at the top of the program, if you are just joining us, Jordy Ben signs a PTO contract, and we discuss that as well as a bunch of other things. If you have suggestions that you'd like us to talk about, questions for us, feel free to reach out to Sean or myself. He's at Sean Shapiro on X slash Twitter, and I am at GJ Spittle. And if you want to email me directly, yeah. I was just going to say, you, you have such that radio host, and you're like, if you're just joining us now, like the person is like, <laughs> like someone's listening to Spits and Suds in their room, and somebody just like in their living room, and someone walked by, like old timey radio. That's like, totally... that's, that's great, Gavin. Yeah, like, thanks, who's, man. Who's thanks. just joining us now? <laughs> you know, I said that, and I was like, man, that's such a radio thing. That is not that's a podcast thing. thing. Like, all of a sudden, someone picks up the podcast at 56 minutes and says, why aren't they talking about Jordy Ben? This is ridiculous. It's what we call in the business a reset. (laughs) But you're right. You're right. (laughs) I'm glad. I am glad you poked at me for that because (laughs) that was a very honor. I I, I imagine that there's now, like, I really hope that there's somebody who's listening in their car or whatever and just pick somebody (laughs) up in their car. Like, maybe someone's listening on an Uber driver and Uber drivers listening to spits and suds and they pick somebody up in Dallas and they're like, Oh, what are you listening to? And that's like, Oh, they missed Jordy Ben. Oh no, you didn't. Here's Gavin. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, let me, let me just move that line back and get to the top story. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're right. You're right. It's ingrained after 30 years. (laughs) It's fair. fair Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I'm going to start calling you Luds too. don't do that all right so that's gonna do it i won't refresh what we talked about today but i will thank sean shapiro for joining us as always and that's what i love about this program we get to laugh we get to tell you stories that we think are interesting and we truly do appreciate your support of this program so for sean shapiro of d magazine of shap shots of ep ringside and of the book we win here i'm gavin spittle of 105.3 the fan and we'll talk to you next week right here on spits and suds